0: Sir! So, you can't go! All the plants are gonna die! I'm gonna take a bath. Bad dates. I'll alert the media.
1: Boys, keep off the moors. It's evil! Don't touch it! The name's Pliskin. No why Hang on!
0: Welcome to a very special vintage video Patreon pick. Where our patrons at the hundred dollar tier are invited to request any pre-80s title they'd like for a custom review from the vintage video team over analyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't i'm patrick o'reilly i'm jesse bayless and i'm richard wells and today Louis letizia has asked us to review an unmarried woman released march 5th 1978 it was written and directed by paul Mazursky, and released by 20th century fox between 1974 and 75 A divorced friend of Mazursky's was buying a home and was forced on the deed to include the phrase an unmarried woman with her signature. Mazursky found the phrase to be a compelling and stigmatizing title and began to interview several of his divorced female friends to inform the perspectives of the group of women at the center of this story. He has said that he did not set out to make a film glorifying the single life or vilifying marriage but to show that women may have more options in their life that they aren't taking advantage of and also to show the emotional cost of those options. He offered the lead role to Jane Fonda, who turned it down because it wasn't political enough, but when Mazursky met in person with Jill Clayburgh, he instinctively cast her in the part on account of her relatability and the natural intelligence she exudes in conversation.
2: I think she's the perfect casting for the role. Agree.
0: I agree. I don't think Jane Fonda's a bad fit either, and apparently Sally Kellerman really wanted the part yeah. mm-hmm. and i could see her working here too but jill Clayburgh, i think is the best fit of those three
2: yeah i feel like of the three jill Clayburgh's the most down to earth of them yeah so and and she that was feels... not a
0: big name at the time too so that the everyday woman could be like that could be me yeah the part of saul the artist was offered to both anthony hopkins and alan arkin on the way to alan bates i think all three fit fine but i think bates is the best choice of those three also mm-hmm. Mazursky immersed himself in New York City's Soho neighborhood to get a feel for the art scene and struck up a friendship with abstract expressionist painter Paul Jenkins, who was brought on to mentor Alan Bates in his painting techniques. The loft playing Saul's loft in the film actually belongs to Jenkins, and he was given a background cameo in the gallery party scene. The film shot for ten weeks, and because she's in every scene, and also to affect her performance, Kleberg did not take a day off for the full length of the production. The film was nominated for three Oscars, Picture, Actress, and Writing, and won none of them, but Kleberg did take home Best Actress at the more prestigious 1978 Cannes Film Festival. She actually tied that year with Heaven's Gate's Isabelle Huppert for Claude Chabral's Violet, or Violette. Mazursky was the only Best Picture Director to go unnominated by the Academy that year. We open with some aerial establishing shots of New York. The camera floats over a jogging path and we cut to a married couple jogging, Erica and Martin, played by Jill Clayburgh and Michael Murphy. As they jog, Martin steps carelessly in a pile of dog shit and takes off the affected shoe to claim it's ruined. For some reason, Erica has to take the shoe and rub it in some nearby grass for him. Is this the first time this guy stepped in dog shit? <laughs> I feel like that's what you do. You just go rub it in grass and then or wash just, it just off. just
1: keep running and it'll yeah. just wear off eventually. Yeah, you don't have
0: to lick it right now. You lick it later. <laughs> Martin starts ranting at the city in general and pulls out a cigarette. His wife advises him against smoking unless he wants to undo all the heart health he's earned on this jog, and he compares her to his mother, at which point she realizes she probably shouldn't be cleaning this man's shoes for right? him. She tosses it at him, and he drops it right back into the dog shit. He accuses her of orchestrating the dog shit step, and when she calls him crazy, he tosses his shoe into the river to confirm the accusation. She walks away. I was more impressed that the
1: shoe floated
0: yeah like do shoes
1: float i've never just thrown a shoe into the water
0: i rarely throw my shoes in rivers so i don't know
2: but you know what they say if the shoe, shoe floats, floats. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a witch he rejoins the jog and they laugh it off
2: why would i want you to step in dog shit
0: <laughs> well that's a good question <laughs> oh
2: god
1: oh,
0: i'm sorry oh.
2: I'm not your mother.
0: He proposes they break for a quickie, and we cut to them in their apartment later. Martin says he saw a doctor, and he's supposedly fine. Their daughter, Patty, knocks on the door to announce that she is off on her way to school. She enters to kiss them each goodbye, and infers from the absence of her mother's pants that she has just wandered into a post-coital chat.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't even have kind of let her in the room, maybe?
0: I don't know. I don't think they care. Did the earth move? Do you guys recall the last time someone made a joke about the earth moving with regard to a pleasurable sexual experience?
2: Uh, I don't.
0: Gas. And they fold it up into the wall and then she says...
2: The earth moved. (laughs) I have wiped that movie from my memory.
0: I was unfamiliar with the idiom when we reviewed that film, but apparently the phrase finds its origins in Ernest Hemingway's For Whom the Bell Tolls. Hmm. And it means... Sex was good.
2: (laughs) You didn't bring that out yet? Yeah.
1: Weird side story is that uh, I'm getting my mom a custom wind chime. Yeah. And she she wanted something like written on the part of the wind chime. So I was going to – she loves Ernest Hemingway. That's a good quote. I was going to put a quote from from whom the bell tolls as a joke. But no, note to self, do not use that quote.
0: Also, don't use for sale baby shoes never worn. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Leave that off of there. Like, this is the fucking most depressing wind chime I've ever seen. And <laughs> <I'm> the sexiest. <laughs> yeah, body heat flashbacks. <laughs> Sexy wind chimes. Martin kisses Erica goodbye and leaves for work. Left alone, the camera pushes in tight to Clayburg's face as she suddenly impersonates an announcer at a ballet performance, and then she leaps out of bed to perform various ballet moves as she dances through the apartment.
1: The long-awaited debut of Erica Benton.
0: That evening, Erica enters a restaurant and walks to a table crowded with her lady friends. On the way, David Rashi is seated backward on a bar stool and tries to make a pass, but she deflects it. Erica's friends have an exciting update for her. Erica guesses Elaine and then Sue, but Jeanette is the one with the news.
1: I met a man.
2: Well, that's terrific. Well, there's a little problem.
0: Turns out man is a strong word because her new boyfriend Stephen is 19 years old. She currently has a six year old son and knows already that introducing them will be an awkward moment if it goes that far. Evidently, Stephen also lives at home with his parents.
2: I couldn't tell if that was a joke or not.
0: I don't think it was. Jeanette says that on their date last night, Stephen gave her a sensual massage during which she climaxed multiple times. Erica asks if Jeanette is sure the kid is being honest with her and Elaine says no men are honest because all they care about is sex, but Sue disagrees.
1: That's ridiculous. I know lots of men who are interested in other things besides sex. Name one. My husband.
0: <laughs> Erica accuses Elaine of being a man hater, and Elaine asks if Erica thinks Martin tells her everything.
2: I mean, what are they arguing about, though, in terms of his honesty? Honest about what?
0: Just about his feelings for her and his situation, and if, I, he's, if he's interested in in continuing a relationship with her. I think.
2: I mean, I guess I don't even I don't even feel like she says anything about his genuine feelings here.
0: Yeah, but she doesn't make it sound like I had a one-night stand with a guy. She Mm -hmm. she makes it sound like it's a burgeoning relationship. And I think her friends are like, is it, though? Yeah. Jeanette says, honesty or not, she's just along for the ride. Have fun, honey. The worst that can happen is it'll end.
1: No, I think the worst that could happen is that his parents will find out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That night, Martin watches the financial news on television, Erica arrives home and calls out to her daughter to get no response. She tells Martin about Jeanette's younger boyfriend.
1: Nineteen is four years older than Patty. Yeah, Miss Patty?
0: Their daughter's out on a date with her boyfriend Phil. They kiss a bit in bed and she reminds him that their daughter will be home any minute and she has an early day tomorrow. He tells her she's giving him a headache and then they hear Patty enter. She and Phil were at the latest Lena Wertmuller film, which at the time would probably have been 1975's Seven Beauties. Martin tells Patty about Jeanette's teenage boyfriend and asks if Phil would consider dating Jeanette.
2: I don't know. You'd have to ask Phil. That's a good answer.
0: Yeah. After he leaves, Patty mentions to Erica that her father seems sad lately. Back in bed together, Martin vents about every aspect of his life and his recent fantasies of dropping everything and starting a new career elsewhere. He assures Erica he loves her and she's glad because her divorced friends don't seem very happy to her. They turn off the lights and begin to make love, and we cut to breakfast. Martin talks to Patty about her private school privilege, and she dares him to transfer her to public school.
2: I'll go to public school.
0: Okay, you're on. Okay. (laughs) You think that's funny? We'll buy you a gun, send you to public school. I'm sorry. They invite Patty and Phil to an upcoming ballet, and she passes on it. Listen, am I a nagging father?
1: No. You're just feeling the loss of separation. I'm not your little girl anymore.
0: Dad is amused, but annoyed to be psychoanalyzed. On their way out of the building, Patty admits her feelings for Phil aren't serious, but she never intended to get married anyway.
2: You will. Don't be so sure. Why not?
1: Why should I? I mean, everybody I know is married is either miserable or divorced. I don't want that.
2: Patty, that's ridiculous. There's a lot of happily married couples. Name three. Uh, I'll have to think
1: about
2: it. See you later. I like the writing here. I think it's pretty insightful. Yeah. I think for the time, I mean, I know that, uh, you know, divorce movies aren't uncommon for this time period, but I think, you know, the daughter coming in and being like, why should I get married? Like, I feel like that's a pretty progressive plot line. And
0: I do think that was part of the point of this movie is that this was the generation where marriage stopped being like the obvious next step from graduating from school and yeah. so I, I, as much as like Mazursky has said that his point wasn't to vilify marriage, the point was just, hey, people can do whatever they want, you know?
2: Well, and it, maybe not to vilify it, but to to just, you know, qualify it as n- a not, n- not a necessity.
0: Right. Sorry, if you're hearing the rain in the background, it just suddenly started pouring on the house and we record in a garage. So that's fun.
2: It has never rained before on the podcast It did
0: one other time <laughs> And I called it out when it happened In
2: 300 plus episodes We live that, in California That's how often it rains
0: <laughs> When her mother can't name three happy couples They part ways for the day At the gallery where Erica works She is flirted with incessantly by Charlie As played by Cliff Gorman You're a classic male chauvinist pig <laughs> I know but I'm cute Do you guys recall the last time we heard Jill Clayburg Call someone a male chauvinist pig uh,
2: It's my turn
0: nope oh. but I checked that one to make sure
2: <laughs> uh, who's the other movie we watched? because it
0: would fit perfectly into the arguments she has with Michael Douglas in that movie um, the only other Jill Clayburgh movie we've covered first oh. Monday in October no, there that, you go was that it that's okay. it
2: you're an arrogant self-centered male chauvinist pig you're
0: just being sweet to me because I'm a man Charlie tells her she is unsatisfied in her marriage and he could fix things. He suggests an affair, but his offer is interrupted by a call from Martin about meeting for lunch. Over lunch, Erica makes plans to go on a double date trip with one of their friends, but Martin seems distracted. As they leave the restaurant, Erica talks more about her love for her friend group until Martin breaks into heavy sobs. He admits to an affair.
1: What? Tell me! in love with somebody else. <laughs>
0: He claims to love this person, but his cries are notably dry of tears. He says he doesn't want to hurt Erica or Patty, but he decides to anyway. Erica is trying to absorb this news, while Martin blathers on about how he met this 26-year-old girl like she gives a fuck. Erica's face turns angry, and so does the score.
1: You tell Patty. You tell Patty that you're sorry. I'm in love with her. Mmm.
0: Oh. Erica turns and leaves him there, and we listen to a somber saxophone as we follow her around the city on her own. She manages to keep a strong face until Martin turns to walk the other way, and then she ducks behind a traffic signal to throw up. We cut right to sometime later with her friends at the bar, already fully up to speed, they have conflicting recommendations, with Elaine advising a quick and absolute split, while Sue advocates keeping the door open for a reunion.
1: Well, the best advice was to get a lawyer right away. Right. And that's yeah. absolutely the best advice. Yep. Would you take that miserable bastard back? No. <sighs> I don't think.
0: The women complain that there are no world events to distract them from their personal lives anymore, even suggesting a war might help. Erica gives up on the chat and passes David Rashi again on her way out. Hello. Fuck you. I for sure assumed that she would strike up a relationship with this guy that she kept blowing off, especially as an actor whose work I know and enjoy, but this is the last we'll see of him in the film. Hmm. This is also his first feature film appearance. At home, Patty tells Erica she and Phil had a fight because Phil is somehow defending her father for cheating on her mother. How do you even come to that conclusion? That's weird. For some reason, Erica tells her that Phil is a nice boy instead of telling her to run away from this person. Patty would be happy not to see either man again, and they cry together. (laughs)
2: Well <laughs> <hate him> too.
0: <laughs> Phil calls and Patty answers it, so Erica wanders to her bedroom mirror to talk to herself for a bit.
2: Paul, said the Queen. If I had him, I'd be king.
0: Later, Erica sees a doctor and asks why she's always tired. I assume because in the 70s people weren't tired all the time. He blames her divorce. Their relationship seems fairly cordial until he ends it by asking if she's putting herself out there and even throws an invite to drinks.
2: But I even just hate this, even in the context of all women's health care, where it's just like, yeah, you know, you're just tired because you're going through a divorce, not maybe there's something physically yeah. wrong for you that I I'm should bother check. to check for. <laughs> no,
0: no, you're a woman. You don't understand your body. I'll tell you just a sentence.
2: Yeah, you're just you're just overly emotional. That's all.
0: Yeah. She's understandably grossed out by his offer.
2: Is that a pass, Arthur?
0: No, it was an invitation to have a drink.
2: How come I never got an invitation to have a drink when I was married?
1: Well, I don't know. I, I never thought about it.
2: It's a pass, Arthur. A definite fucking pass.
0: <laughs> I just like that. Because she, by definite fucking pass, she means like, you're hitting on me and also I'm fucking passing on yeah, that offer. Yeah, it's a good line. Yeah. But
2: also it's just... You know, I was I was so frustrated with several parts of these movies. And not because it was a bad movie in any right. way. It was really well written, really well acted. And I'm just so infuriated by the situations that she ends Gets up in. in. Yeah, Because how inappropriate. You're at a doctor's office. You mm-hmm. literally just had your clothes off with this man in another room that you're trusting with your health care. And he's hitting on you? Yeah. This is like the most inappropriate. Yeah.
0: And... You know, her experience isn't even an exaggeration from an average woman's experience no, at the time. Not even, that, or maybe, or, even or today. now. Yeah,
2: even now, not even that crazy.
0: In the middle of the night that night, she starts to purge the apartment of all Martin's shit, including a framed picture of him and her own wedding ring. The next day, Elaine takes Erica out on a blind date with one of her husband Hal's friends named Bob. When we cut to the restaurant, Elaine's husband Hal is very abrasive shouting to the staff and ordering foods he doesn't know the names of.
1: Give us some of those, um, the shrimp with the, um, what do you call it, the shrimp with the white paper on, on the end, what do you call that? Paper shrimp. Paper shrimp. Give us some of those, okay?
0: Okay, anything else? That's fine. Paper shrimp. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a cameo from the director. Erica and her date Bob get to know each other, and he works in PR, and it's clear right away that she is out of his league. How much time has passed? I think this is like the same week.
2: Yeah, it's not long. I also don't know why her friend would set her up with this, this guy. This guy, of all and, people. And even that doctor. Like, I'm like, none of these guys are even close to being right.
1: somebody she would I, be with. I
0: think they picked this guy because it was a friend of Hal's and the only guys she knows are Hal's friends.
1: But Even, even yeah, so. Yeah, like, I feel like it's an like, insult like to her. A little bit of... Yeah, well, yeah, the, choi- the choice is also an insult, but I'm just like give her a little bit of time just to yeah i mean i'm not saying like give her time to to wait for her her ex to come back but at least just like get get in a good place i don't figure
0: out
2: what she wants
0: yeah bob is in charge of a movie that sounds like an adaptation of david morrell's at the time unadapted novel first blood
1: right now um it's a new picture about a ex-vietnam vet who comes back to a small midwestern town and shoots 300 people
2: should make a
0: fortune do you guys recall the last film we covered about a Vietnam vet returning to a Midwestern town and all hell breaking loose? Ruckus? That's right. Yeah. Erica is visited at the table by a friend named Claire and her family who she hasn't seen in years. As discreetly as they can, they offer their assistance if she needs anything, implying they know what she's going through. Even distant friends are getting word what's happened. Erica steps away from the table to catch her breath around a corner from the dining room and Elaine comes to check on her. They abort the date after lunch, but Bob hops into Erica's cab with her, mostly against her will. Ugh. A bad sign.
2: Ugh, this guy is so icky.
0: Yeah. And she's like, No, I'll, I'm fine. Bye, bye, bye. And then he just gets in with her. On the way back, Bob keeps scooching up to her, and she asks him to back off. He makes her feel guilty for thinking the worst of him, and then basically jumps on her to forcibly make out. I'm crazy about you.
1: <laughs> no! you, you bitch, stop! <laughs> No! Stop the cab! Stop Sorry. it! Sorry, I didn't.
0: And she screams for help from the cab driver, who pulls over on a bridge to let Bob out.
2: Yeah, but not right away. Like the but cab also, driver's just like smirking at them. There
0: wasn't a place to pull over until I, where he pulled yeah, over Yeah,
2: but he clearly did not care.
0: Right, but what was he going to do? You stop the cab. Just stop to... the cab in traffic on yeah. the freeway. You, you slow Wh- down. You slow down, down to a stop. Then you climb over the back seat and get in a fight with this guy. Why not? In traffic. <laughs> it's not safe that's there, a lie. there's
1: a woman being assaulted in the back of your cab
0: there's a place to pull over right ahead pull over there kick the guy out of the cab which is what he does
2: yeah but uh, his face was not the oh, I, I don't agree. have a i don't have a place to pull over face his I face agree. was well this is amusing
0: but he wasn't making the amused face when the guy was assaulting her he was making the amused face before that when she was getting mad about him scooching up next to her i i i think it's a little bit more forgivable Than what you guys are saying but still he was making a shitty face yes Yes. but he still did what i think was the right thing which is to pull over when there was room to safely pull over and they kicked bob out of the car when erica gets home she walks in on patty and phil making out and she throws her daughter's boyfriend out of the apartment the actor playing phil here is matthew arkin son of alan brother of adam and co-host of the arkin brothers talk about movies podcast and in their review of first monday in october Matthew actually talks about the shooting of this particular scene and mentions that when she slammed the door, Clayberg slammed it on his head as she was forcing him out of the apartment. Oops. And they had to stop down for a few minutes while he recovered from that because he was uh. like dizzy from it. But he did say she apologized. With Phil gone, mother and daughter scream back and forth at each other about exactly how much control Erica should have over Patty's life. But Patty is a mature kid and realizes this is misdirected anger from her mother. Erica's anger breaks, and she apologizes, even inviting Patty to call Phil back. Later, Erica meets with a therapist, and at first it seems like the joke of the scene will be that the woman is not responding to anything Erica says, but then I remember that this is primarily a drama, and there is probably not a joke to the scene. No. (laughs) And there isn't. The woman feels like an actual therapist, probably because she is one, and she's improvising most of her dialogue here. Claudia Wheel, director of 1978's Girlfriend, and Clayburg vehicle It's My Turn from our first season, recommended Dr. Penelope Rushinoff to Mazursky, who worked two and a half days on the film. In the past, Mazursky has made regular use on film of his own psychiatrist, Donald Muhick, or Muhich, including as a psychiatrist in Mazursky's Willie and Phil last season. After the film's release, Dr. Rushinoff became a bit of a celebrity from her appearance here, and even brought in new clients as a result. Erica tells the story of getting her first period, and then questions why she did. Her main complaint seems to be that her life went from entirely predictable to entirely unpredictable. The next day, Erica goes to speak with Martin in his office. Did you
1: notice what she walks past on the way?
0: On the street? Mm-hmm. No.
1: It's a chock full of nuts. Oh, And is do you it? remember the last time we saw a
0: chock full of nuts? Escape from New York? Yeah. <laughs> is that where Kurt Russell met his wife? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. The next day, Erica goes to speak with Martin in his office. She's here to ask Martin to foot the bill for Patty to see the same therapist. He agrees without a fight, but her anger to be here across from him is still palpable. You
1: really hate me, don't you?
0: Yeah. I don't hate you. Oh. You were always a very compassionate man. Oh, wait a, a minute. I,
1: how,
0: how can you hate somebody that you were in love with
1: for, for 16 years? I don't. It's know. easy. <sighs>
0: <laughs> There's so many great lines in a row from her here. I just really love it, but it's like I, first of all, he's such the perfect asshole that he's like, I'm not mad at you for what yeah. I did to you. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? And then when she she says, it's easy, it's I just love it. It's like, all you have to do is go have sex with a different person and then tell me about it and then I'll hate you. <laughs> that simple. He tries to make her feel bad for making him feel guilty and I wanted her to just leave already. Like, your business with him yeah. is done, get up and go. But he claims to still love her and she's not buying it. She informs him that things with Marsha will not last as long as he expects them to, and he admits they're engaged. Well, I'm going to marry her. The awesome sanctity of marriage. <laughs> I just love it. Everything she has to say here is so perfect. She reminds him to call his daughter on her way out. Erica and her friends all sit on Erica's bed and talk about all the strong women they used to see on screen. Erica offers up Jane Fonda and Barbara Streisand as modern examples, and Fonda would actually be nominated against this performance from Clayburg in the Best Actress category the following Oscar ceremony. Fonda took home the statue for her part in Coming Home.
2: I think it's interesting to hear these lines now, yeah, and because people would probably make the same argument nowadays and refer to Fonda, and yeah, ex- Trisand, exactly yeah. exactly
0: patty enters the room and joins them on the bed she jumps right into the chat unintimidated elaine is suddenly crying and admits to a complete lack of self-confidence the girls try to comfort her the conversation seems above patty's understanding so she steps away later we see erica in therapy crying she explains the jealousy she feels whenever she sees people in love she misses having a person to relay her day to and worries she tells her daughter too much Her therapist admits to having been lonely after her divorce as well. She gives Erica permission to feel lonely in a very lonely situation, and Erica begins sobbing. The only emotion her therapist advises against is guilt. She has no patience for it. Erica also admits that it's been seven weeks now and she hasn't had sex since Martin left. Her therapist asks if she feels sexy, and she does not. Erica makes the mistake of referring to her sex life with Martin as wild, and it strikes her therapist's curiosity.
1: <laughs> Tell me what you mean by that. What, what do you mean you were pretty wild? Well, we had a good sex life. What exactly
2: was it like?
1: Jesus, what do you think happened? What happens? You sound pretty angry. What's that all about? If
2: I knew that, I wouldn't be here.
0: <laughs> she recommends Erica socialize and see other men.
2: I think that was to gi- give her perspective on what wild is. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> we cut right to Erica entering a dark bar. She orders a glass of wine when suddenly a friend calls from behind her. She joins her friend, Jean, and her friend's boyfriend, Edward, a painter by trade. Edward's been on tour with his art in Rome. Suddenly, Charles from the gallery enters, and Jean seems to know him too. They invite Charles and Erica along to a party at another artist's loft, and they both pass. When they're left alone together, Erica asks Charlie to buy her another glass of wine. She doesn't waste any time. Take me to your loft, Charlie. At his place, she rushes right into undressing to avoid losing her nerve. When she pulls her shirt over her head, it catches on her necklace, and she can't get it off. Eventually, they're both laughing about it, and Charlie helps her escape.
2: I like his, I like the sculptures that he has in the in the loft here i, I assume yeah. they're his artwork yeah they're i think like, so they're wooden sculptures that look like drips and yeah. they're pretty cool
0: yeah before she removes her bra she flips off the light i don't get involved with my women i'm a short-term guy i don't fall in love i want to get married she admits that he will be the first man she's slept with beside her husband since they were married on the way to the bed she steps on a splinter and he removes her sock to inspect the injury she seems very ticklish and can't stop laughing at Charlie's antics until she is suddenly very serious and they start having sex.
1: I, I felt that she was more laughing at at how ridiculous Charlie was being. At like, yeah. Like just oh, you like that? You like that, don't you? I think he's <laughs> trying to be funny though here. Yeah, I, I think I feel like she was laughing at at his attempts to be, like sexy because he's probably just used to bringing like loose women up here sure and just like this is dirty talk this is this is what really gets women and she's just so above it
0: but he's also doesn't seem dissuaded at all by her laughter like he's just like whatever that that's good that's better than you being mad at me so i'm gonna (laughs) keep it up hours later she tells him she's heading out and she won't be back she repeats his pre-sex disclaimer as an explanation why not
2: i don't fall in love charlie i'm a a short-term guy
0: (laughs) The next morning we see Erica jogging where we started the film and at the top of some stairs she finds Martin waiting for her. He tells her that a friend of his from work, about his age, dropped dead from a heart attack and she doesn't care much. He says he wants to be friends and she says she wants to be alone. They're offering him the dead guy's job but he'd have to move and she tells him go ahead. We cut away as the camera zooms out of a painting on a canvas. The artist here is Saul Kaplan, played by Alan Bates. We're now an hour and 19 minutes into the film, and finally getting the second-billed actor. He asks Erica how his painting looks on the wall, and she says it's too high, so he says it's perfect, and asks her to lunch. We cut right to them redressing over glasses of wine in his loft. She admits that this is unlike her, but she's experimenting since separating from her husband. She tells him the sex was good, but that emotionally it felt empty, and then kisses him on her way out. We cut to an elevator with Erica and her friends. They're arriving at a party in an artist's loft. Erica leaves her friends with Jean and Edward by the door and connects with Saul Kaplan again across the party. Erica and Saul bump into Erica's therapist on their way back to her friends. When she reaches her friends, Charlie is sitting with them and he's had a few drinks too many. Erica tries to introduce Charlie and Saul. In the foreground, Vincent Schiavelli reads a magazine with Sue. <laughs> this is his only shot in the film. Charlie starts weirding everyone out and needlessly brings up his sexual history with Erica so she tosses a drink in his face. Saul recommends Charlie leave and the two are quickly at each other's throats. Gene's boyfriend Edward breaks up the fight and we cut to Erica and Saul leaving the building. As they walk Saul steps in more dog shit and it cracks Erica up. Saul takes it a lot better than Martin did. He tells the story of how his parents got in a fight when he was a child and his mother threw pickled herring at the wall evidently the splatter it left inspired him to become an artist
1: Your work does remind me of pickled herring
2: i do appreciate that most people in this film do what i hoped they would do yeah. in situations so i like charlie was being a dick yep throw the drink in his face mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. beat him up yeah leave the party yeah yeah 100 percent. everyone's in the right here
0: yep <laughs> Saul was married for nine years and has two children. Like Erica, he was cheated on, but in his case, it came as a relief. He invites Erica back to his place again, and they walk away arm in arm. We cut to Erica ice skating at Rockefeller Plaza with her friends.
1: This ice skating scene has such a huge, like, hoisted-up dramatic score.
0: Yeah. I was like, is this the ending of the movie?
1: Is I think the, the point over? is
0: just to say she seems genuinely happy right now. Yeah. yeah. Things are working out for her.
2: Well, and she's, and she's only here with the other women in her life. There's no man here doing anything for her.
0: We dissolve back to Saul's loft at night as they kiss by the window listening to Billie Holiday singing I'm Yours. The next day, we see Saul at work creating a new piece. Erica is preparing breakfast implying she spent the night here.
1: You want hot sauce on your eggs?
0: Please.
1: Ready, cheese?
0: Everything. Saul has his canvas propped up in a sort of U shape, so the paint he dumps into it will drain down a predetermined path. He pushes down on the frame with an ivory knife to drain excess paint. Erica is surprised to acknowledge that she is truly happy now. He asks why she only had one child, because he wants to know everything about her, and she admits to two subsequent miscarriages. He picks her up off the ground, and with a big hug, he starts spinning her around rapidly. I was very worried he was going to drop her, but he's a strong dude. Saul tells her later he would like to meet Patty, and she invites him for dinner tomorrow. She uses a brush to scribble her address in swirly font on the paint-stained floor. As Erica and Patty prepare the dinner table, Patty mentions a classmate who got an abortion. Their friend group all pooled money to cover the cost, and apparently the doctor kissed the girl on the mouth after the procedure. I was hoping that that was a joke. No. I don't think it was a joke. I don't think so. I think it was the same doctor that Clayburgh was seeing. (laughs) Just like, oh, it's all done, sweetie. It's like that detective when we were joking that he leaned up and kissed the TA in night school before he asked her the questions about the murderer. Ugh. Saul arrives and Patty immediately goes on the offensive. She tries to make things as awkward as possible for him. She tells him that he looks old for his age, asks him for drugs, and proclaims her virginity before Erica drags her to the kitchen. When they return to the meal, Patty is upset and eventually makes it clear why.
1: It's obvious that you invited Saul here to prepare me. Prepare you for what?
0: She thinks Saul is here to replace her father and she doesn't think she needs another father. Erica insists that isn't the case and agrees to allow Martin to visit Patty at the apartment sometimes if that's what she wants.
2: It's been like two months. Why are you assuming? I mean, I guess she's still working through stuff, you know, like this is a lot for a kid to deal with, but why would you assume that the guy your mom's dating is going, You're they're like they're gonna get married?
0: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> Sorry. I like a
0: 15 year old. I do it all the time. Sometime later, mother and daughter sit at a piano and perform Maybe I'm Amazed slightly off key. Uh, Slightly. (laughs) (laughs) I was being generous. The camera keeps revealing more of the apartment behind them to indicate that Saul is no longer here. The next day, Erica is jogging and runs into Martin again. Apparently she arranged this meeting to tell him he is now welcome to visit the apartment to see his daughter as long as he calls in advance. Martin informs her that he's no longer going to California and then he reminds us what a monster he is by suggesting that Erica could make his life even easier if she wanted to. Why the fuck would she want to?
2: Mm
1: You could make it real easy if you want to. What do you mean? I broke up with Marsha.
0: i'm surprised he can barely stretch the live five seconds before admitting that Marsha actually left him which is on the other hand completely unsurprising and what a jerk he is for trying to get credit for his girlfriend dumping him yeah
1: i want to come back no will you think about it
2: no martin
0: he shares with her his fantasy that she would take him back and forgive him and to blame some kind of imaginary sickness for his infidelity instead of his general shittiness as a person. She seems like a smart character and I honestly don't know how she stayed married to Martin as long as she did. Later, Erica walks with Saul and describes some of her financial woes. Saul insists that together they would have no money problems, but she doesn't want his money. He invites Erica and Patty to Vermont for the summer and she's intrigued by the invite but reluctantly passes on it. She agrees to a couple weekends tops. They walk up to a band in the park and enjoy the music for a moment, and then sit down nearby where Erica explains that in her marriage, she treated herself like some kind of a two-headed monster, joined at the hip with Martin in all things. Lately, she feels like her own person for the first time.
1: Saul and Erica will be different from Martin
0: and Erica. She asks if he has any interest in seeing other women, and he says he doesn't, and asks if she wants to see other men. And she says, Not today i'm getting a headache we cut to erica and elaine doing a walkthrough on a new home erica mentions saul's invitation to vermont and elaine reminds her that a good man like saul is rare in this city she recommends erica take him up on the offer we cut right to saul's loft where he sits on the floor drinking wine when erica enters
2: you're looking very beautiful you're traveling awfully light
0: she's here to refuse his invitation but she gives him a can of pickled herring as a gift he begs her to come with him to Vermont and even hurls the jar of pickled herring at the wall.
1: Come with me for Christ's sake!
0: But she sticks to her guns and turns him down. He seems to understand and respect her decision. After that point. I mean, it's it's very violent, the th- throwing the jar at the wall, but it's clearly a reference to what he said his parents did, and she doesn't seem that freaked out by it.
2: Yeah, I don't think it was, like, anger towards her.
0: Yeah, I, I think, think it was more like a just a grumpiness, like, yeah. come on! Please.
2: I do I do like that they went with this this route for her choice. Yes, then. absolutely, yeah. Because you know, I, I obviously it's just it's a completely different kind of movie if she if she ends up going with him. Right. Because she doesn't learn anything about her independence and and what life is like without having to cater to
0: Right. She's just falling into the mean. same trap that she was in before. Yeah. Although Saul seems like a better no, guy. No, he than does seem
2: like a much better person. And that's and that's the problem, is like you're you are you kinda of like, Yeah, he is great. Yeah, you should probably keep seeing him, but you
0: But it's like you're also great too. Yeah, you just need, go be you for a while. You
2: need these boundaries and 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 you can't just give in to his needs.
0: Right. Later an assistant helps Saul lower his newest painting out the window of his loft to the sidewalk. He has a car all packed up for the trip, but this painting is like eight feet tall and ten feet wide. I couldn't figure out where it was supposed to fit. Can you
1: hold this a minute?
0: Yeah. Saul gets in his car to leave, and when she asks what to do with the painting, he says it's hers. Bye.
1: What about this? Oh, that's for you. How the hell am I going to get it home?
0: Take a taxi. He drives away and we spend the last few shots of the film watching Erica try to carry an enormous painting through the city, struggling against breezes and crowded sidewalks. Witnesses to her efforts are amused and the reactions look genuine, like these people weren't informed they were in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think some of them might even be like, wait, Joe Clayberg? I feel like I've seen you and stuff. <laughs> in the very last shot, it looks like she's set the painting down against a traffic light and might be walking away from it. Yeah. I can't tell because it yeah. like freezes Hard on that. Hard to tell.
2: But I do, I do like the, well, first, first you get the sense that, you know, he's not upset, you know, like he's, he's in a good place when he leaves her with this yeah. because, you know, this is an amusing gesture And on the, his And part. it's
0: probably worth like $22,000 or something like that if she went and sold it.
2: Well, and then on top of that, it's, it's like, yep, you want your independence. Like, here you go. Here's here a go. joking way of me accepting yeah. your independence yep. by showing you, go ahead, figure out you how to do this me. on your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's great. I actually like the painting too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, most of the paintings are either Jenkins' original work, but I think uh, somewhere I read that that Bates was allowed to like choose the colors for the compositions that mm. they use in the film um, for his own, what are supposed to be his own paintings. But I, I like the look of it. I feel like it's it's a neat piece. It's not something I would pay a lot of money for or anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the end of this movie. Do you remember the last time we talked about the end of an unmarried woman?
2: Um, my brilliant
0: career? No. Are you
2: are you saying that in like
0: No, we talked about the ending of this movie. Oh, okay. I was just making sure you weren't movie. making a euphemism uh, about nope.
2: the end of an unmarried woman.
0: No. <laughs> when was the last time we talked about a girl's ass? <laughs> I don't
2: I don't know the last time. You don't know?
0: One. Hold on. <laughs> I, like I was movie, hoping you knew. I, I feel like there was something recent. Maybe not. Anyway.
2: Oh, wait. Yeah, I know. What? Uh, the, the Boogans. <laughs> the boogins. We talked about an unmarried woman's rear end. No,
0: <laughs> That's what I was thinking of, but that's going to post after this. Okay. So that's not it. That can't be it because we haven't even talked about that movie yet. Anyway, <laughs> do you guys remember the last time we talked about the ending of Paul Mazursky's film, <laughs> An Unmarried Woman? No, because I wouldn't have known it
2: uh was it the we, last time we reviewed we one didn't of his talk f- about it film?
0: someone in a movie that we've watched talked oh. about the ending of this film and called it out by name
2: oh um was it in willie and phil no <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> i could tell you who called it out okay i think it's a giveaway though she's only in a couple movies so far goldie hahn uh
2: what movies have we done with goldie hahn
0: it's the probably one. the biggest one
1: the one with the seal clubbing
0: no, that wasn't Goldie Hawn. She wasn't in
2: that.
1: Oh, oh that was Suzanne Summers, wasn't
0: yeah. it? Yeah. And then she didn't work again for a decade. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't remember covering She was
0: nominated me. for an Oscar for this role. Was she? Yeah.
2: I feel bad. I don't remember.
0: Private Benjamin, guys. Uh, oh. Uh,
1: did you happen to see that movie Unmarried Woman? Uh-huh. Well, I didn't get it. I mean, I would have been Mrs. Allen Bates so fast that guy wouldn't have known what hit him.
0: But then by the end of the film, she does the same thing that Jill Clayburgh did. But both of her men were complete monsters, so (laughs) that's fine. I mean, I guess Albert Brooks wasn't a complete monster, but he was dead by the end, so (laughs) she shouldn't stay with him.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like this movie. I love the writing. Um, I love that Paul Mazursky cared about these issues so early. I do feel like nowadays yeah. this would obviously be a woman director. Yeah. And, and I think the only reason that it isn't is because Claudie Wheel was doing something else. Like, she would be the obvious choice for this, especially her work with Clayburgh and her work in, in this genre of film. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I but, think
2: it's it's phenomenally progressive yes. for 1978. And I, I mean... I would be impressed with this film being made even now. So the fact that it was made this long ago uh, and, and, and by a man yeah. is, is, is pretty impressive.
0: And I love the cast. I love that she has this friend group of women who wouldn't be cast in these like central leadership mm-hmm. roles in, in, a, in a traditional and they, film. And they
2: all had their own kind of different perspective yeah, with, yeah, yeah. A, a different variation on, on on each of the friend types which i think each had a respectable opinion based yeah. on their experience they were all
0: three-dimensional characters that yeah
2: it doesn't pass the bechdel test though
0: that's true because they're the only time that they have their conversations they're talking they're about literally their husbands. only talking yeah. about men in yeah. this movie <laughs> that is true Our writer-director was Paul Mazursky. He's the director of Willie and Phil for the podcast, as well as Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, Harry and Tonto, Next Stop Greenwich Village, and later Moscow on the Hudson, Down and Out in Beverly Hills, and Moon Over Parador. He appears in the film as Elaine's paper-shrimp-loving husband, Hal, and we saw him last as Roman officer in History of the World Part 1.
1: What do you mean, no? He was right! They sent you to the Lions!
0: Music was from Bill Conti. He previously did Gloria and Private Benjamin last season. This season he's done For Your Eyes Only, Victory, and he's back later for Carbon Copy and Neighbors. He also composed Harry and Tonto, Next Stop Greenwich Village, and most famously The Rocky Theme. Cinematographer Arthur J. Ornitz, he's a DP on a favorite of mine called A Thousand Clowns. We've seen his work so far in House of Dark Shadows, and he's back later this season lighting Tattoo. He also DPs The Anderson Tapes, Minion and Moskowitz, Serpico, Death Wish, and Next Stop Greenwich Village. Editor Stuart H. Pap, or Papé. Before this, he cut Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice for Mazurski. We've also discussed his work in Carney last season, and later he cuts 8 Million Ways to Die, Moon Over Parador, Sister Act 2, Mr. Magoo, American Pie 2, and White Chicks. Jill Clayburgh played Erica. We've seen her so far in It's My Turn and First Monday in October. We'll see her next as Barbara Gordon, not that Barbara Gordon, <laughs> in I'm Dancing As Fast As I Can, written by her husband, playwright David Rabe and starring It's My Turn co-stars Diane Weist and Daniel Stern. That film also represents the first screen pairing of Wet Bandits Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci, so I can't wait to get to that. Clayburgh also portrayed Ally McBeal's mother on that show. Her final feature film appearance was as Kristen Wiggs' mother in Bridesmaids, though sadly she passed away at 66 from leukemia before the film was released. Her daughter Lily Rabe has been a featured player on FX's American Horror Story for many years now. Alan Bates played Saul. This was his first movie in the U.S. He was Gabriel Oak in the 1967 Far From the Madden Crowd. <laughs> I knew you would like that. I figured you would perk up at Gabriel Oak. I did. You know that I name. was like,
2: I know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and isn't that good casting, though? I really like him it, a that, lot. It, that yeah. makes
2: a lot of sense, actually. That's that's perfect casting.
0: We've seen him so far on the show as Sergei Diagolev in Nijinsky. I think that's the guy with the shock of white in his hair that we thought looked very... Um, Sweeney Toddish oh, in yeah. He was also Claudius in 1990's Hamlet. I think that's the one with Ethan Hawke. Michael Murphy was Martin. Before this, we saw him as Miley Marston in our MASH Patreon review. He also shows up in Altman Films' Brewster McCloud, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, and Nashville. We also saw him off the clock when we watched Phase 4 last year. Yeah. <laughs> More recently, he has appeared as JFK in The Island 1998 directed by our friend cyrus Narasta, not the islands directed by michael ritchie yeah. or michael bay <laughs> and later he's in magnolia and the x-men movies where he owns the company that develops the cure for mutantism cliff gorman played charlie apparently f murray abraham auditioned for this part i think he'd have been great too but i think uh i, I like cliff gorman as this like slimy guy um and, like, the hairy chest, I think, really yeah. works for him, yes, too. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, after this, he shows up in All That Jazz, and we've seen him already as the titular juggler in Night of the Juggler. More recently, he was Sonny Valerio in Jim Jarmusch's Ghost Dog Way of the Samurai. Patricia Quinn played Sue. She was Bell Star in Zachariah, which lost a Patreon poll. Kelly Bishop played Elaine. Later, she is Marjorie Houseman in Dirty Dancing. Howard Stern's mother in Private Parts and Emily Gilmore in 154 episodes of The Gilmore Girls. Lisa Lucas played Patty. Not many credits I've seen before or after this, except that she appears as Robert Downey Jr.'s mother in Hearts and Souls. So his mother is only in the very beginning of the film when she's giving birth. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the ghosts attack her baby. No, but they attach themselves to the baby. Linda Miller played Jeanette. She was Catherine Spages in Alice, Sweet Alice. We saw her last season as James Brolin's wife in Night of the Juggler. Most recently, she showed up as one of many cast members of Too Many Cooks. (laughs) Andrew Duncan played Bob. Before this, he showed up in Love Story, The Hospital, and Network. We saw him last season as Charlie, a customer of Luke Fuchs' used car lot and used cars. Matthew Arkin played Phil of the Arkin acting family. We've seen him so far in Choo Choo and the Philly Flash just wandering around in the background. And later he's in North and Death to Smoochie. Novella Nelson plays Jean. Weirdly, IMDb Trivia calls this out as her final feature film performance, but it's only her second, and she's been in multiple films every year between 78 and 2017. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, what? <laughs> she shows up in Bonfire of the Vanities, Weekend at Bernie's 2. She plays a judge in David Wayne's The Ten. She also plays herself in a 30 Rock episode called The Moms. Hmm. Raymond J. Barry played Edward. We saw him last season as Detective Gleason in Christmas Evil. Later, he's Tom Cruise's father in Born on the Fourth of July. He's Captain Yardley in Falling Down. He played Senator Matheson in multiple episodes of The X-Files. But the line we quote most often from Barry's filmography comes from Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. The wrong kid died. (laughs) It's
1: Dewey's dad. (laughs) Uh, I also uh, love him as uh, Timothy
0: Oliphant's father on Justified. Justified, yeah. Yeah. Written by our good friend V.J. Boyd. Jill Eikenberry played Claire. She was Susan Johnson in Arthur earlier this season. That's the girl who he was engaged to at the time. That's the woman who meets her at the restaurant and is like, Mm -hmm. oh, so good to see you. uh, And then doesn't come back. More recently, she was Hedda Gary in Diablo Cody's Young Adult. She's probably best known for her 171 episode run as Ann Kelsey on L.A. Law. Chico Martinez played the cabbie that you guys did not like. Nope. <laughs> he played Bobby Del Rios in Sorcerer and Man on Street in The Howling. Vincent Schiavelli played Man at Party. He was in the Gong Show movie and The Return last season, and American Pop, Choo Choo in the Philly Flash, and mini Sewed Seed of Innocence this season. He's a Milo's Foreman regular in titles like Cuckoo's Nest, People vs. Larry Flint, and Man on the Moon. He's in a couple MacGyvers, Ghost, and Tomorrow Never Dies.
1: Sorry. Also, did you mention death this movie?
0: Oh, no, I didn't, but he's in there, too.
1: <laughs> I never saw Venice.
0: <laughs> he's, he's in there with Matthew Arkin. Marianne Mueller-Lyle played another party goer. She made uncredited appearances in Hero at Large, Willie and Phil, and Stardust Memories last season, and Arthur and Endless Love this season. All <laughs> uncredited, all five of those. She doesn't have many huge credits, but I recognize her IMDb picture from her turn as Wrong Sarah in The Terminator. She's also the tattoo artist in Memento. David Rashie goes uncredited in the film. He was a stopwatch producer in our first film just tell me what you want he was sledgehammer on sledgehammer bernard on board to death jim marwood in veep and we just saw him as eddie white the pimp in honky Talk freeway he's currently carl muller on succession i think that's everything for an unmarried woman thanks again to Louis letizia for their generous contribution to the show if there's any title you'd like us to review our top patreon tier includes a custom review of any pre-1980 title if you have any thoughts you'd like to share we are vintage video pod on twitter facebook instagram youtube and letterboxd Whereas i've said before you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year we can also be found at vintagevideopodcast.com thank you so much for listening and i hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing whatever you choose we leave you now with a trailer for an unmarried woman
1: this is erica benton a lovable wife a wonderful mother She's uninhibited, unpredictable, You're not getting enough, <laughs> unshakable. I think you ought to have your eyes examined. And unprepared.
2: What? Tell I'm me. I'm in love with somebody else.
1: At first, you know, I thought it was just a, a thing, but it isn't. I'm in love with her.
2: Twentieth Century Fox presents Paul Mazursky's
1: An Unmarried Woman. You went out by yourself.
2: Getting divorced.
1: What happened?
2: He was buying a shirt in
1: Bloomingdale's and he fell in love. I'm sad. I'm lonely. It's certainly okay to feel lonely. It's really okay to feel anything. Anger. You really hate me, don't you? Yeah. Depression. It's over, kiddo. For good. Are you Are you seeing other men yet? No. <laughs> Oh, God. Dating. That's a silly word. I'd risk it. I'd risk it with some new men. Men, huh? Why did you move closer to me? I don't know. I... I guess I want to be closer don't, to you. Don't, Bob. Uh-uh. I'm...
2: I'm afraid.
1: I am what I am. I make no bones about it.
2: Charlie! You. I'm very nervous. Your talking is just making me more nervous. Okay. I'm frightened. I've only slept with one man in 17 years. Everything seems very different. I'm, I'm not able to know what's going to happen. Now it's like every day is like... Phew.
1: The sex was very good.
2: I want you. You know that. Yes, I'm getting the message. Do you want me? My head tells me to slow down. My only sexual object to you.
1: Now you're Right. Willful. Curious woman.
2: Who is also a sexual object? Do
1: you want to see other women? Do you want to see other men? Not today. Paul Mazursky's an unmarried woman.